0: أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم. بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم. والفجر ولا يال العشر والشفع والوتر والليل إذا يسري الفي ذلك. <تصفيق> <تصفيق> قسم الذي حجر، ألم تر كيف فعل <عن> ربك التي <يرم> لم <يخلق مثلها> في <البلاد> وَسَمُودَ الَّذِينَ جَابُوا الصَّخْرَ بِالْوَادِ وَفِرْعَوْنَ ذِي الْأَوْتَادِ الَّذِينَ طَغَوْا فِي الْبِلَادِ فِيهَا الْفَسَادِ صَبَّ عَلَيْهِم رَّبُّكَ سَوْطَ عَذَابٍ إِنَّ رَبَّكَ <المرصاد> فَأَمَّا الْإِنسَانُ إِذَا مبتلاه رب فأكرمه ونعمه فيقول ربي أكرمني وأما إذا مبتلاه فقدر عليه رزقه فيقول ربي pray كلا بل لا يكرمون اليتيم ولا يحضون وَيُحِبُّونَ الْمَالَ حُبًّا جَمًّا كَلَّا إِذَا دُكَّتِ الْأَرْضُ دَكَّا دَكَّا وَجَاءَ رَبُّكَ وَالْمَلَكُ صَفًّا صَفًّا وجوئا يومئذ بجهنم يومئذ يتذكر الإنسان وأن له الذكر يقول يا ليتني قدمت لحياتي فيوم إذ not يعذب عذابه أحد ولا saying. I I'm إلى ربك في عبادي
1: Bismillah alhamdulillah salatu wa salamu ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa mawala wa ba'du Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh
2: Wa alaikum wa salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh
1: Mawlana Saleem Gaby, my dear honorable teacher, ahlan wa sahlan wa marhaban bikum Jazakumullahu khairan once again for gracing us with your presence And for the uh, knowledge that Mawlana has been sharing with us, alhamdulillah um, this is our final session for the 40 Hadith by the Ahlul Bayt. Is that correct, Malina?
2: Yes, I'm um, looking forward to it. We're finishing our session today of the reading of the 40 Hadith, inshallah Can we
1: just uh, lift? There yes. we go, there we go. Bismillah. <coughs> Jazakumullahu khairan. Okay, inshaAllah. So, uh, the 40 Hadith by the Ahlul Bayt, Malina,
2: فليتفضل Mashkura. بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاه والسلام على اشرف المرسلين سيدنا وحبيبنا وسندنا محمد وعلى اله وصحبه اجمعين وبه الى علي كرم الله وجهه ان رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم قال this is hadith number 26. I think we missed it out in the last session. I don't know how we overlooked it. You know. Uh, it's probably just
1: because of the peering of the one with yeah. the other and so on. Just, you know.
2: So the hadith number 26. Your love for a thing can blind and deafen you. So the commentary, one's love for something or someone blinds one to his or her faults and shortcomings. It also prevents one from hearing anything negative about him or her or any advice regarding them. Okay, so here we can understand the statement, love is blind. Allahu Akbar. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, obviously we're not talking about the the lukewarm love here. No. Right, you're talking about intense love, which borders or goes into, uh, you know, uh, fanaticism Mm. and extremism and so on. And uh, I think it's pretty simple to understand this when it comes to individuals, but um, it also applies when we love um, an idea excessively when we love a fraternity excessively uh, and so on and so on, you know. Uh, For example, and I think it's pretty common amongst us actually, um, somebody who is in a fraternity, uh, his love and his passion and his fanaticism for that fraternity is uh, to the point that... uh, this is the ultimate institution of fraternity, and nothing mm. about that institution and fraternity can be wrong, no. you know, or incorrect. There's no shortcomings whatsoever. Mm. And uh, you know, in Usu, we know that uh, we always learn that the shari' ultimate, ultimately, the, the lawgiver is always Allah. You know, when it comes to Sharia we're always trying to understand what does Allah want, you know? What laws and commands and prohibitions has Allah laid down? Mm. And in accordance to that, we act. Uh, when you become fanatical or your extreme love for an institution or a fraternity, what happens, what tends to happen sometimes is that the Sharia says one thing and then you have this fraternity, the leader of the fraternity or whatever the case may be, saying something which is in contrast to opposition to, sh- to Sharia, mm. but because of your your extreme love for this fraternity, for this individual, and you know, usually we ascribe to these individuals Uh, Many virtues, Mm. you know. How can this person be wrong? He is such a pious person, you know. Uh, You know, he hasn't uh, spent one night uh, without getting up for the Hajjud for, you know, uh, so many decades. And, Mm. you know, like the the virtues are like endless. Mm. This is like, this person is endowed with deep and secret knowledge, you know. So he's able to interpret uh, texts, you mm, know, mm, in mm. a way that uh, others don't see, they don't have the the deeper understanding. You know, all, all these are things that we tell ourselves and which blind ourselves to what Sharia wants us to do and what our love for this idea or this fraternity or this individual is mm. telling us to do. You know, uh, sometimes it's clear that they are in opposition one to the other uh, and contrastingly different. And sometimes it's subtle. Mm. You know, the the fraternity or the individual or the idea um, is that uh, 98% of the ummah is saying this but this is my stance, so this is our stance. Mm. And you know, our stance is the stance. Mm. It's the only stance. It's the correct stance. Mm. So 98% of the ummah don't understand, whereas our 2%, we are the only one. Mm. You understand? So what this hadith says to me is that uh, when you love somebody or something, some idea uh, some for then love them with moderation. No. You know that love cannot cloud your mental faculties, your uh, your your logic and your thinking, because Allah gave you your your brain and your ankle to use mm. Mm. and to discern. For this very reason, you know, um, so your love, yeah, it can blind and deafen you to uh, the facts or what you should be doing, right? And this uh, leads us to our next hadith. What do you do then?
1: Manila, I'm just thinking uh, this particular issue about how your emotions can cloud your judgment in relation to things in general and tying that into the wisdom of how uh, Islam encourages nikah to take place. You know, like I, I speak to, to youth quite often, and this is one of the points that I emphasize. I said that many of us, we brought up with the notion that um, uh, arranged marriages is what Muslims do. Because there's like a, this bias, not this bias, the, this assumption that arranged marriages is like this backward draconic practice okay. and so on. So we, we say that, you know, the Islamic way of doing things, that's called an arranged marriage. I said, no. The Western, the Westernized way of dating, that's actually an arranged marriage because when a young man and a young woman date one another, they actually get themselves into an emotional state where they are unable to rationally make the assessment of whether this person would be a good spouse. Mm. You know, a good mother to my children, a good father to my children. Is this the person that I want to spend the rest of my life with? the emotions will say, of course, definitely, yes. So
2: there's like a hundred red flags.
1: And- <laughs> Subhanallah, like red flags and minds and everything going on and the whole dunya can see it but you as an individual in that situation, you can't see it because you are in love. Yeah. You're actually in lust but you, know, you you think that you're in love and you, no matter how obvious it is to the people that around you that this is not a good idea, uh, that emotions can cloud you in such a way. And then Islam comes along and says, look, yeah, you no. Know, Let's do this thing the other way around. First, you get your criteria. Then you proceed to, to find somebody that fits that criteria. You can have one, two, however uh, many uh, meetings you need in order to see if that criteria works. And then, you know, if it works, bismillah, proceed forward. If it doesn't, walk away. Nobody's heart get, you know, gets yeah. broken. So I just thought that um, this concept is actually found throughout our fiqh. This concept of, uh, you know, not allowing somebody whose emotions are potentially clouding their judgment to rely on the emotions at that time, but rather give them a different facility that they could use as a Furkan, as a criteria. Mm-hmm. I just think that's a, a, it's a brilliant aspect of the Sharia that we don't often see because we look at it almost as it's oppressive or mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's, it's kind of uh, uh, backward, but it's, it's much more, it's better than what we can do when we make things up ourselves.
2: No definitely um, This is an amazing Hadith uh, Of the Prophet Sallallahu alaihi wasallam. In fact um, I recall that uh, This is This hadith Was one quoted by Wal-Nata in One of his, one of his last Duru's He mentioned yes, this mm. You know So what do we do then so We go into Hadith number 35 And it says there That the best of affairs Is then That Done in moderation in balance. So the best of paths to follow is that which is balanced and in moderation, without excessiveness, no neglecting it. There's no Ifrat, no tafreet. Okay. And this, uh, this idea of moderation and balance in our lives, it's with regards to all aspects of our lives, you know, um, uh, working, The time we spend with our family, uh, our eating, our drinking, and you know, uh, even balance when it comes to ibadah. Mm. Uh, And you know that uh, as Muslims, we know that, uh, that our very purpose of being created by Allah is to worship him. But even in ibadah, in worship of Allah, there is... Moderation mm. and balance that uh, should be kept um, And the most famous uh, uh, You know when it comes to this Or giving clarity to this The f- most famous uh, uh, Kissa or, or story Is the the companions of the Prophet Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam That uh, uh, They vowed some of them In fact there's uh, three Three of them The one vowed that uh, Uh, I would fast for the rest of my life. I'm going Mm. to fast. And the other one, he said that uh, for the rest of my life, every night I'm going to uh, spend my night in the worship uh, of Allah. And another companion, he said that uh, uh, I will not marry you know, because obviously that's going to now deter him and uh, probably divert his attention mm-hmm. from uh, ibadah. No. And when the Prophet wasallam, when he when he heard about this, then uh, he, he called him and he said to them, Wallahi, inni la kum mm. lillahi wa atqakum that I am the most fearful of Allah and the most conscious of Allah out of all of you. Mm. But, lakini, أَصُومُ وَأُفْطِرُ wa وَأَرْقُدُ وَأَتَزَوَّجُ nisa, You know, but uh, there are, are times when I fast, and there's times when I don't fast. Mm. There's times when I spend the night in ibadah, and there's times when I sleep. And i marry married woman. فَمَنْ an عَنْ So whoever diverts from, from my sunnah is not from amongst me. And I mean, there's, there are many examples of this that we can give from the lives of the companions, radiallahu taala anhum. Mm. Uh, another example that comes to mind is uh, Abdullah ibn Amri ibn al-'As, radiallahu uh, So he was he recited Quran in abundance mm. uh, to the extent that he neglected his family, and you know they came to complain to the Prophet sallallahu alaihi that. Uh, You know, he's reciting, he's continuously uh, involved in uh, reciting Quran and Ibadah that uh, he neglects us, Mm. you know. And uh, the Prophet ﷺ obviously called him and spoke to him and uh, uh, told him that uh, recite the Quran once a month. And he says that I have the ability to do more. Mm. You know, once a month is like too long to Mm. complete one khatam of the Quran. Then there are very variations of the ahadith in 20 days. I said, no, I can complete it still 20 days is too long. Then it was two weeks. Then it was seven days and eventually three days. No. You know, okay, do not complete uh, a khatam of the Quran in less than three days. No, you know? just
1: a quick question on that, is the Is the recommendation, I know there's, uh, I mean, it's not like a, a set in stone type of thing. But I, if I recall correctly, the recommendation is still 30 days. Or is it 10? No, sorry, oh. the recommendation for maximum, the maximum amount of reading, is that still 3 days or is it 10 days? Okay, That's so the,
2: the, the best <laughs> explanation I can give you is what uh, Imam Nawawi, rahimahullah, rahimahullah, rahimahullah mentions rahimahullah. in uh, at tibyan fi Adabi quran So he says this is going to differ from person, person to, to person. person. person oh, yeah. Because everyone is different. Mm. Everyone has different strengths and... Uh, you know, even when it comes to ibadah, uh, some people have the ability and capacity to perform a lot of ibadah, whereas others do not have that capacity. Mm. You know, so those who have the ability to finish the Quran, um, let's say in a week or in three days, yes, by all means. No, You know, and those who do not have the ability, then one month. Mm. If one month is also too much in two months, Mm. You know, Mm. it all depends on the individual and what he can manage. But uh, based on his, uh, to the extent that uh, he doesn't become deterred by this, it mustn't be uh, laborious and tedious to the extent that he dislikes doing it. Yeah,
1: once he starts checking how much further must I still go, then it's like too long.
2: And not that uh, when he does it, he does it unmindfully mm. and makes mistakes in, in what he is doing. You no, know? no. So, and I've,
1: yeah. also, I've also, if I recall correctly, uh, I've seen the recommendation that one should read uh, at least, like the minimum again, is uh, two khatams for the year. One in Ramadan and one for the rest of the year. Uh, is, is this also like a standard recommendation?
2: I don't know I think it's just going to differ from person to person mm. uh, I recall that um, uh Shu'bah one of the imams uh, the rawis of uh, the qira'ah of Asim rahimahum Allah I mean. um he became very sick and uh, for there was a long period of time that he could not read and uh, then when he became better, then he, you know, like, whether it was months or years or whatever, I can't recall the exact period. And he recited the Quran and it is, it is as if water was flowing again from his mm, lips, you know. So, uh, yeah, it's going to differ from mm. person to person, they, you know. But that would be, I think, uh, the minimum. read a khatam for the year and then one in Ramadan. Mm. Again, if you can manage that. No. So, خَيْرُ Umur أوسَطُهَا And, uh, you know, there are many ahadith that we can um, mention and relate uh, regarding uh, balance and moderation. Uh, one that I have also um, noted here uh, is the Prophet yes, wasallam, when he says, Right, those who are extreme and exaggerate with regards to their speech and their actions and so on, they will be ruined, Mm. you know. Um, So, again, uh, not only in our ibadah, but everything we say, if it's unnatural, you know, then the Prophet (laughs) says that will be ruined. Mm. And there are other hadith as well, and in one, the Prophet ﷺ talks about uh, Christianity and this the, this idea of uh, monasticism, mm. you know, where you seclude yourself uh, to worship Allah. You know, he says mm. This is something they invented, that we didn't prescribe this or make this compulsory upon them. In fact, if you if you read Uh, our hadith legacy, you know, and what Allah wants from us is Allah wants us to become productive um, individuals in our community. Mm. He wants us to interact and be a benefit for others around us, Mm. you know, instead of this uh, idea of becoming a recluse or, Mm. you know, um, just sitting on a musalla uh, and m- making zikr and reciting. That is not what Allah wants mm. from mm. us. You know, in spite of us being created just to worship no. Allah. You know. So, khayrun umur awsatwa. The best of uh, affairs is that done in moderation. So, coming back to hadith number 26. Uh, it says here, your love for something can blind you and deafen you. I remember, uh, I mentioned this in one of, uh, my classes, um, and one of the students says, well, Monla, that, uh, hate can do the same thing. Mm. <laughs> you know, obviously there's the opposite if- effect. Um, your dislike for a fraternity, for an individual and that you, you don't want to hear anything good about mm. that. Mm. And I give you a nice example now recently, uh, 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 In one of our chat groups, there was an individual and he had some, um, I don't know, probably bad experience with this one Islamic organization, you know, and every day he's writing these articles, lengthy articles, and he's posting in in the group anti this um, organization, you know. Um, so your, your dislike for an individual and for a fraternity, it can also blind you to see the khayr and the goodness in that fraternity, mm. you know, it comes down to what what you mentioned, Monla, that your emotions should not cloud your, 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 your thinking and your uh, mental faculties, mm. Mm. you know. And you know something that that should be probably mentioned here is, you know, when you become emotion, <laughs> emotional. I'm thinking of Mani Ibrahim.
1: Uh,
2: I don't know something happened here locally. Ibrahim
1: Ibrahim Shout
2: yeah. out to Ibrahim Gafur. this like social social media ah. and uh, news outlets in general. It's not about always about reporting the news, Mm. you know. It's about stirring emotions. And when those emotions... Sensationalism, they call it, yeah. So when that gets stirred, it clouds our judgment. And we do things on the social network platforms that we regret afterwards, Mm. you know, when, let's say, truth comes to light. And we don't realize it, but that can... That destroys... People's lives, you know, mm. people who were a benefit to society, to the to the communities, but because you have this, uh, you you know, you have this uh, extreme love for what, let's say, justice, or you against um, what's it, uh, you know, what what did we mention, um, racism, or gender-based violence or equality to female, whatever they, you know, there's so many, <laughs> you know. And uh, because you read this in the paper, say headline, and some individual has been linked to that and you, it's so easy for you how can this individual do this, you know. Because uh, you feel strongly about that idea, mm. you know, you, you tweet or you you know, you put in your your opinion or uh, things like that, and you know, uh, we should be very careful about that. You know, yeah. do not let the the social media, the news outlets. You know, when it comes to our our love for even ideas, you know, and and so on, whatever. And we all we all are passionate regarding certain ideas, mm. whether it's racism, gender-based violence, whatever the case may yeah. be. You yeah, understand. Or
1: anti-vaccine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so now, even there. You know, like I've, seen, I've seen recently uh, a phenomenon, like this information bias type of thing that, we, you know, that we're basically speaking about. The moment, <clears throat> now social media makes it worse because the moment you like something or you're into something, then you become very aware of the existence of that thing around you. It's like uh, the person who buys a new car so you buy this new car, it's like a strange car for you. You've never seen this car on the road before. The day you buy the car, you start seeing that car everywhere. But the reality is it was always there. Yeah. You were just blind to it. Now you've become aware, acutely aware of it. So you 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 tuned in to see that particular thing. So now with with the advent of social media and the so called algorithm. Where AI tracks what you look at, what you speak about, what you search for, what you read about. And then based on that, ads get pushed to you and videos get recommended to you and so on. Now, while that is potentially uh, harmless, it's also uh, potentially harmful because of this information bias thing. So now you have a person who's not really information literate. They don't really know how to sift through from battleil and uh, authentic and reliable from unreliable they they 've got no training in that whatsoever they start watching YouTube videos about anti vaccine stuff for the next foreseeable future they will receive updates and notifications and they'll get fed with this type of thing mm. so once you get into a particular thing in the world we're living in today it's so easy to get drowned in that thing because that concept ties in with our own internal uh, processes of of um, what's this thing called dopamine our dopamine system the reward system so every time you get something you get a video you get a post it's a, it's a hit of dopamine so you mm. feel liquor about it so now you want another one and another one until eventually you become ridiculous in in your in your uh, in your yeah, me, luna ilehi type of mm. thing. You become in your inclination, you become ridiculously inclined, mm. and everything is now related to that. You know, despite how mad it seems, because it ties in with the story you've told yourself, mm. and mm. it fits well with that picture. So you just push that agenda all the time. Now you start seeing stuff that's that's never been there before. Yeah. Like the clouds in the sky is 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 uh, guesses that has been placed there, and a lot. Your, Allah your Allah.
2: life revolves around that. Yeah. And, you know, like uh, I gave examples of um, probably the local scene here in South Africa. Mm. But uh, what Monla mentioned, uh, presidential elections in countries have been rigged mm. just based on that. Absolutely. You know, just this hyping your, your emotions and, uh, you know, uh, inciting individuals mm. who they should uh, elect for, presi- uh, for no. presidency and things like that. I mean, if you can do that, Mm. then what about the local scene? And, Mm. you know, uh, again, just uh, when you read something and you are, uh, it incites you or it raises these uh, emotions in you, your feelings, no matter how passionate you are regarding something. Just take a step back and pause for a while before you respond.
1: No. You know? Yeah. You don't have to be the first to say something. You don't have to put out a statement. You don't have to share your opinion. You Mm. know? It's so important that we realize that because you can be so easily manipulated uh, that you don't even realize it. Mm. Like something as simple as this. If I wanted to have this YouTube channel grow in popularity, it's as simple as I need to post some cat videos. Because the algorithm dictates that a lot of people like that, so they'll push that to the people. And mm. you know, I need to be controversial about certain issues. If I start pushing anti-vaccine stuff, and stuff like that, mm. you know, so there's literally tips, tools, and yeah. tricks <laughs> to to win popularity despite <laughs> everything else. You know, like uh, let's sacrifice integrity, let's sacrifice yeah. alles just so that we can, we can grow in hits and likes and shares and thumbs ups and yeah. things like that.
2: So, oh. so these two hadith, I mean, these two hadith that we read now, they, you know, tie into our very essence and our very being of how uh, we do things every day, no. especially in our uh, digital era, right? Uh, we have a few hadith left. Uh, hadith number, so we read all the others in between. Now, we buy hadith number thirty-six. Prophet said Allahumma barik li ummati fi buquriha yawm khamis oh, Allah bless my people in the in the early part of the day the mornings on Thursdays particularly So um, there are other versions and transmissions of this this particular hadith uh, some of them just still Allahumma barik li ummati fi right and then, يوم So do you understand it? Generally, the Prophet sallallahu made du'a that Allah placed barakah in the mornings for his ummah generally, and then obviously more so on a Thursday morning. This is a prayer made by the Prophet sallallahu wasallam for his ummah that Allah blesses their efforts in the early mornings, particularly on Thursdays. I just want to mention something here. Uh, this hadith might sound very simple, but there are so many self-help books that uh, preach the same thing. Mm. That getting up early in the in the morning. You know, when it comes from, uh, when it comes to uh, how do you conduct your your daily life? To how do you become a successful entrepreneur? How do you become rich? All of them they have one common thread running through them. And that is getting up early in the morning, Mm. you know. And I just brought one book. (laughs) I grabbed it off my my shelf. I read it uh, recently, last year sometime, by Robin Sharma, the monk who sold his Ferrari, right? Uh, So in this book, uh, uh, it's a fiction story uh, about his life. Uh, But in the story, even though it's fiction, uh, he gives you advices about how you should um, get maximum. Mm, or optimize your life. Yeah, yes, mm. basically. So, you know, I, I don't want to um, spend too much detail on the book, but what happens is that this very successful lawyer, right? Uh, I mean, uh, successful. He has enough uh, money to live for the rest of his life, property, Boats, planes, mm. whatever, he has it, you know, and then uh, he almost dies and he decides, no, he, c- he cannot continue living. You know, in spite of having everything at his disposal, life was just not fulfilling for him. Mm. He then sets off to India and he looks for these, um what, illuminated or enlightened sages. Mm, yogis. In the, yeah, in the Himalayan mountains, you know. And he uh, eventually finds them. He goes there and he search, searches for them. Uh, and obviously they're hidden away. And one of the things that he, he learns from, from them is getting up early in the morning, uh, you know. And, uh, you know, the, this person, he had to, if you think about it, he had to uh, give up his job Go. To India You know <laughs> Search for months Through the mountains For these enlightened uh, Sages To get this Piece of information Which is Repeated In numerous books uh, You know When it comes to Businesses Just how to uh, Optimize your life Like you said uh, And so on And here yeah, the Prophet Sallallahu wasallam, wasallam. Is telling us The same thing mm. You know so sometimes, you know, what happens is, uh, and I mentioned it to you before we started the class, that uh, we read something by these uh, these uh, Western scholars mm, or gurus. academia and, you know, people who mm. have, let's say, experienced life, mm. you know, and they tell us these things and, wow, this is amazing. Mm. You know, in, in fact, uh, Robin Sharma, has another book, The 5AM mm. Club, mm. Mm. you know, uh, just on this one concept or idea of getting up early because the pro- the productivity level in the morning, you'll get so much done in the morning period that you won't get done for the rest of the day, you know, in the afternoon and the evenings and, and so on, mm. you know? So, um, yeah. Well, have, I've
1: actually taken a lot of benefit from looking at this uh, new age kind of self-help material and seeing <clears throat> the Sunnah of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi in, in a whole different light. Oh, yeah. And you know this, Al-Hikmatu uh, Dalatul Mu'min, you know, so so these wisdoms uh, are essentially almost like shuruhat of the Sunnah of Rasulullah yes. Sallallahu It's like explaining <coughs> the Prophet Sunnah and you know, for some people, uh, well it's, it's rather unfortunate but for some people it will show you the value of the sunnah of Rasulullah mm-hmm. uh, it should be the other way around we should value the sunnah because of our knowledge of and and uh, reverence for Rasulullah but nonetheless uh, if the result is that you are brought closer to the sunnah of the Prophet mm-hmm. sallam, then uh, ahsantum but uh, I, one thing that I found is <clears throat> there's somewhat of a deficiency for Muslims who approach the sunnah via these things only. Like if they don't make the connection between, look, okay, 5am club, but see this from a Muslim's perspective, from Islam's perspective, and then do it, you know, based on those principles. If you don't do that, you can sometimes end up with, with uh, adverse side effects, so to speak. Like there's some Muslims who would wake up 5am to be part of the 5am club and benefit from Robin Sharma's mm. stuff, but they're not making fajr. Yeah. You know, so you get that also. And the the downside of that is other than the fact that you might end up in Jahannam, Allah protect us, I mean, the, the fact of the matter is self-help is exactly that. It's helping the nafs, it's helping the self. It's geared at making me, myself, and I, I'm optimal, I'm running at maximum productivity, I'm this, I'm that. So it's very much an enhancement of the self uh, for the sake of enhancing the self and for the sake of being a productive machine. Whereas Islam treats an individual as a whole human being. Yes, there's the productivity and so on and so forth. But it's also burika, you know, it's, it's mm. blessed, it's barakah. It's about connecting with Allah and actually suppressing the nafs <laughs> mm. through this process and then elevating the, the 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 ruh for the sake of Allah. So it's wow, like a different. It's like wow. a different. You're getting to the same end result as far as what people can see and what you can see, but the philosophy behind it is like completely at yeah, loggerheads. Yeah. And I think, you know, I read uh, books like Seven Habits of Highly Effective People longer, and I was like, wow, amazing. But I saw the Sunnah on every page. Hmm. But alhamdulillah that I could make that connection so I could draw from the book because it you know, lays things out well for the modern era. But I could do it based on motivation from the sunnah. Mm. And if one does not have that connection, you may end up with the problem of you're busy increasing your nafs as opposed to the opposite of it. Wallah alam. I just thought uh, you know, that was a really interesting journey. Uh, and, and I pray and I hope that people who do benefit from that will also... Will be mature enough to know that look, yeah. I need to also, as I'm reading this stuff, you know, learn about the sunnah yeah. and, and attach myself to that as well.
2: No, definitely, I agree. Um, and uh, you know, um, sometimes we 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 memorize these quotations and and so on, and we we are amazed by it, mm. but then the prophet wasallam, wasallam. They told us the very same thing, and it's just okay, you know, yeah, yeah, you know. And, you know, uh, uh, as you were talking now about the self-help books, I was thinking of this one book. It was written years ago about um, how to make friends with almost anyone and how to speak effectively. And I can't recall what's the the How to
1: Win Friends and Influence People, Dave
2: Carnegie. Dave, yes, that's it. (laughs) That's it. And I don't know how true this is, but uh, I was reading a book, this is now uh, an, an Arab that was writing, and he said, the, the, he, Dave Carnegie, he wrote all these books, you know, how to win over friends, how to uh, be influential yeah. and things like that. But he eventually committed suicide. Really? Oh, Allah, I read it wow, in that book. I need to so, Google that. <laughs> so that is That was very interesting. I didn't check it up yet. Wow. It will be interesting if you can. Okay, let's go on to the Bismillah. next hadith. Hadith number 37. qad al-Faqru kufran. Poverty could drive one to disbelief. Desperation in poverty sometimes becomes the means of taking a person towards disbelief. And we ask Allah's protection Ameen. that uh, it does not put us in this position. Uh, I had a buddy, uh, well, he's still alive. So uh, he works for one of these, um, uh, you know, these organizations, these relief organizations. Mm. And he uh, he told me, so he, so he travels extensively, or he used to, I don't know what's the situation like now. I mean, all over Africa and wherever else in the world, you know, where where help and assistance and aid is needed. And he said uh, to me, I will never forget. He said to me, people will, because of uh, their this situation and their poverty, they will sell their dean for a sticky brood, for a sticky brood, you know, talk Afrikaans, you know. Uh, uh. So, uh, just to translate that for our English audience, for just to be able to eat a piece of bread, you will sell his din, And, uh, you know, this should give us an appreciation of all the bounties, again, that, uh, you know, Allah has encompassed us with, you know. And may Allah protect us that we do not find ourselves in such situations where we are willing or... Prepared to uh, exchange our deen for uh, survival or peace of the dunya or whatever the case may be. No, yeah, you googled it, and he, it?
1: Yeah, it appears that he did not. It is appears it? that he died of Hodgkin's disease. Okay, okay. At least that's what his Wikipedia page says. Okay, No, that's good to know. Hodgkin's disease.
2: Yeah. Okay, hadith number thirty-eight, and this is our last hadith. Uh, we've covered 39 and 40 already. Uh, Travelling involves a degree of torment and difficulty. Travelling entails hardships like danger, hunger, lack of rest, sleep and so forth. Therefore, it is said to contain a degree of torment. Uh, you know, people usually, uh, people who travel a lot, for those who do not travel, it always seems very nice, you know, uh, I mm. know when, when I go, fl- when I'm flying anywhere, then my wife is all, oh, you, like, you're jet setting off again, uh, you know, uh, uh. You're going on a holiday yeah, <laughs> and yeah. things like that. But then I always think of this Hadith, it's not because in your house, you have everything at your disposal, you know, no. comfort when you're thirsty. You know, you have things to drink when you're hungry, you can make you whatever, you know, everything is just comfort, comfortable Uh. in your house. The moment you leave your house, you know, there's discomfort, there's a degree of discomfort because you no more have access to just relaxing in your favorite chair, in your lounge or uh, with your family or having, you know, food and drink. Uh, whatever you like You uh-huh. know So In in that sense Travelling involves A degree It is It is difficult And it is not nice mm. <laughs> You know uh, you, you think you, you're going And for us When we travel It's not um, We don't usually Travel for For holiday You know mm. So uh, Yeah My wife always thinks I'm going I'm going to have uh. a, a fun time But <laughs> it's not It's exactly the opposite You yeah. know You're up from the Fajr. uh, You you just have in your mind that... And your
1: time isn't your time. Yeah, it's
2: not your time. Because you're not going there for holiday. No. You're going there. uh, Allah sent you, is sending you there Mm. to fulfill a purpose, you know. To do khitma of uh, whatever those people in, you know, in a certain field or, you know, whatever the, the case may be. No. And you're going there. You are there for that. So... You know, you're getting up unusually early, you know, before Fajr, because a car is picking you up to go to a particular masjid, Mm. you know. Normally, you could have uh, a little let's say, five minutes before the adhan. You can't do that any longer. Now you need to get up half an hour before the time to make sure that you're ready, Uh. you know, for whoever's going to pick you up. And then it's going, madrasa, madrasa, community to community, and you come back. Like twelve o'clock in the night is like normal, you
1: know. <laughs> and then the guy who still took you there also still has these questions that he wants to ask.
2: No, may Allah continue using us for the service of his deen. Ameen. But uh, the hadith, uh travelling in general, the moment you leave your house it in it uh, involves uh some degree of difficulty, right? So uh the last part, the ijazah for these 40 ahadith and the book we have there on page 23 Ijazatul Musalsal Bil Iteratin I mentioned that the Tadi is incorrect, it should be with a Ta. So, this is important the Hadith, the, the Asani that I mentioned initially. Those Asani they go through the uh, uh, scholars who are of the progeny of the Prophet. <laughs> Uh, these links here, and I only mentioned two of them, they are links through which I have read these hadiths or I have heard them from my teachers. So the, uh, the Ijazah in the first one says there, or qara'a, qara'at. So obviously the audience that we're speaking to, they've heard these hadiths being read uh, from me to them. Right, uh, Mm -hmm. uh, is just masculine and feminine Mm -hmm. for those who do not know Arabic. They have requested me to authorize them in these Ahadith. فَأَجَزْتُهُ or فَأَجَزْتُهَا I have authorized them. So who's them? Uh, I will clarify. Those who have been following this particular uh, program or sessions, the ijazah is only for them. Uh, this is one of the those uh, current uh, or contemporary masail. You know, or else you will find somebody listening to the recording a year from now and you mm. know mm. think that it will apply to him uh, right. as well. Right. Do you understand? So that is not the case. Uh, those who have been following this particular uh, cause, uh, the ijaza is for them specifically. Wa and I say Again these are technical terms in hadith. Uh, that I was listening and somebody else was reading these ahadith to my teacher Al Mufti Muhammad Ali Al Baufali. Call Al muhaddith Muhammad al and he again heard these when he says He heard these ahadith uh, being read to the muhaddith Muhammad Zakaria Al-Kandihlawi and he relates it in the same manner from the muhaddis Sheikh Khalil Ahmed Asar saharan Furi, and him from Sheikh Mawlana Abdul Qayyum Ibn Abdul Hay al Bunanawi, from Sheikh Muhammad Ishaq Al-Dihlawi from Sheikh Abdul Aziz Ibn Ahmed Al-Dihlawi and Kauka Biddiari al Hindiya. Ahmad ibn al So he says, this is in his book Fadlul um, Mubin. He mentions this Shafani Abu Tahir that uh, his teacher Abu Tahir related this to him, And Abihi from his father. From whose father? Abu Tahir's father. His father's name is Sheikh Ibrahim al Kurdi. Right? The Hadi is for Tahweelu uh, Sanad, an alternate. Sanad uh, Chain of transmission You will notice that the wording here is different Above there is Here we have So what's the difference In it means that This teacher He uh, read the hadith to me personally uh, Above you will notice also So it was in a group It was a group reading of this Whereas um, My grasp of the hadith from this teacher was me and him alone. Shaykhi, my teacher, Al Mukri, the teacher of Quran, Al Musnid, a giver of Asanid, Abdullah ibn Salih ibn Muhammad al Ubaid, He says, Akbarani bihi, Sheikhaya. These are hadith he it from two of his masha'ikh. Uh, one is Abdul Rahman ibn Abdullah al Mullah, and Abdul Qadir ibn Karamatillah al Bukhari. The two of them, they say, Akbarana. Muhaddith al-Haramain sharifain Umar Umar Hamdan al-Mahrisi sayyid ibn Ismail al-Barzanji he was of the also of the uh, linked to the lineage of the prophet sallallahu <laughs> from his father Ismail al-Barzanji there is a famous a barzanji family famous family uh, in Medina uh they were the Mufti of the Shafi mazha- the Shafi'i Mazhab in Medina during uh that time. And those of you who have uh ijazah from Manna Taha, he also relates this 40 hadith. Um he received ijazah from Abdul Rahman ibn Abdul Hayy, Ibn Abdul Kabir al who who is linked to is a Hassani to uh Hassan radiyallahu an. This is, uh, scholar is very old he, It is mentioned that he's in his hundreds Wow uh, Currently Still alive apparently Subhanallah uh, From Maghrib, Al-Fasi He's linked to uh, the family of Hassan So uh, Munatah received Ijazah from him And him obviously from his father uh, And his father uh, relates uh, from uh, Ahmed ibn Ismail Al-Barzanji Yeah, right from his, uh, his father again, Ismail al-Barzanji. From his father, Zain al Abidin. From his father, Muhammad al-Hadi. Obviously, because they all Sayyids, so we don't need to still say that uh, they're Sayyids. If the f- son is transmitting from his father. From the uncle, Sayyid Jafar al-Barzanji, sahibi mawlidin nabawi. Right? He wrote the book under the Mawlid, all those riwayat. Uh, I don't know if that's the same one that we read here. We, yes, have, we yes. have quite a few, no? No, yeah, but I mean popular the popular one. one that, is that uh, the one? Okay. Uh,
1: for those that don't know, the, <laughs> that, that, the one that starts like that, yeah. That's okay. the Barzanji Mowgli.
2: So from his father, Said Hassan, from his father, Said Abdul Karim, from his father, Muhammad ibn Abdul Rasul al Barzanji, from Mullah Ibrahim al Qurani, uh, the same Mullah Ibrahim, the father of Abu Tahir al Qurdi the famous teacher of Shawalee al and he relates from Zainul Abideen Al-Tabari and the Sanad is exactly from here to the Prophet Sallallahu Wasallam is exactly the same like we have at the beginning Right, so the difference between these asanid and the ones initially uh, the two at the beginning they are via Ijazah, these two uh, via Sama' I heard the Hadith uh, either being read to the teacher or the teacher read it to me personally Right, uh, then on page 25, the end of the Ijazah. فَهَذِهِ hadithan There's 40 hadith with one chain of transmission. And this chain of transmission linked to the uh, prophetic lineage, the family of the Prophet uh, They are descendants from the Hashimi and the Alawi uh, lineage. Except for in the Sanad, as I mentioned uh, initially when we read it, uh, Ibn Abi uh, Al-Harmi Al-Makki and Siraj Ibn Yasir Al-Ansari ورجال وهذا سند ثقات عدول أمنا و the all the individuals obviously they say it so they are reliable, trustworthy they are um, uh, have integrity and the choices of uh, transmitters and individuals and scholars فهذه الأربعون قصيرة الألفاظ and kaseeratul ma'ani even though these 40 ahadis, they are short very short but as we have seen that the meaning incorporated in these ahadis are very vast and they apply to our everyday uh, life as we have seen uh, one uh, last thing uh, Imam Shatabi uh, rahimahullah he mentions there is advices in the book but uh this one thing comes to mind, Imam Shatabi. We're supposed
1: yeah. to say Qabilna right now. <laughs> you can. <care. laughs> I'm going to
2: say it on behalf of
1: all the people that's, okay. that's been following. Qabilna uh, means we we accept the ijazah, which means we are officially authorized uh, from Malna Salim to transmit these hadith as well. So for those, I'm sure Malna will also elaborate on this, but I mean, uh, for for a person who's not a student of Deen, that may sound like it's you know something intimidating, but you can literally read it from the book if you would like to pass this on to your children, your grandchildren, or your neighbors, etc. Uh, you're not a big alama now, you know, big scholar and passing fatawa, but you can also become part of those who transmit the legacy of Rasulullah Yeah,
2: so this is a uh, uh, very important. It's good that one uh, um, mentioned that. Um, you know, ideally, uh, if you have a copy of the book is to get the copy of the book to me so that I can sign it. I remember mm. when I read to one of my teachers, uh, Mustafa al-Warraqi, and, uh, when it came to the finishing of my, uh, whatever I was supposed to read to me, he gave me ijazah. So he's, he's saying to me, you know, on the, on the phone, I'm going to give you ijazah now, All Right. Re- record this. Okay. So, you know, and you know, I'm hopeless with the phone right, and things right, like that. Right. So, I, I don't know how to tell the sheikh, I don't know how to record it. <laughs> <laughs> so, he asked me, Are you recording? So, I said, uh, Yes, sheikh, I'm recording. And then he, <laughs> you know, so, so he gave me jazza. But the thing is, um, he told me, I, I must record it because if anyone disputes, This Ijazah in the future, Uh, then I have it recorded, you know. And this is something very important. It's recorded now. (laughs) (laughs) People uh, make a lot of claims. And if you read back in history, you know, there are very strange claims and things that happened when it came to Ijazah and Asanid. uh, I mean, people would even forge uh, Ijazahs, you know, scratch out names and insert their own names and things like that. So, uh, if you can get me uh, your copy of the 40 Hadith book so that I can sign it, that will be, you know, uh, if anyone in the future um, disputes that you attend the decisions and that you have ijaza from me, you know, it, it is, uh, you have uh, signed ijaza no. from me. This is very important.
1: Uh, what what I'd like to offer at this stage, Malina, i have to cut in, but I've got a few <laughs> copies available. I'll get Malina to sign those copies. And if your copy is in a good enough condition... Uh, inshallah, and, and you know you're unable to get the copy to Manila. You could also get it to uh, the Islamic Academy Studios, and we could uh, give you a signed copy in in place of your unsigned copy. But it has to be, of course, in a good enough condition, or you'll have to purchase a second uh, a second copy of the book. Inshallah. Bismillah.
2: Okay, I think uh, we will end off uh, with that. Uh, the advices that uh, I would like to give, Imam Shatibi, Imam Shatibi, uh, he gives advices. You know, um, for um, the reciter of the Quran, you know, various advices from a hadith and a Quran and so on. And then he says afterwards, "Alaika biha fiha nafsa ka dunya He says that, "Alaika uh, <laughs> biha," that ascribe upon yourself all this etiquette. Everything that we have read in these forty Hadith, try to uh, bring it into your lives. You know, we, I mean, throughout the course, we've repeatedly said that none of us are perfect, you know. And the key word he says here, That strive to get this. So there, there is much lacking in our lives. But throughout our lives, we must have this tanafus, this uh, working on ourselves to make us better versions of ourselves, mm. you know, so these etiquette, you might not have all of them, even if it's one, you know, have that one, once you have made that a habit in your life, then another, and then another, and so on. And like Muna said now, when we say we have given ijazah, uh for this, uh, make it at least once a year, you know, at least once a year, where you sit and read these ahadith even if it is with your kids or your family And your children Even if they're three years old You know, read these hadith with them There are instances in our history Where uh, scholars, they took their children And their children is uh, three, four years old You know, just to sit in a gathering Where hadith is being read So that it could be said that they made sama. They mm. heard these hadiths. So even if your your children are very young, make uh, make it a habit that once a year, at least once a year, you're going to read these forty hadiths with whoever you decide to read. You know, get your your family together and just read the hadith. You know, just read the book again. You don't need to have any elaborate um, uh, what commentary on it. Just read the hadith because that is all mm. the Arabic. If not, if you can't manage the Arabic, at least the English. You know.
1: Jazakum Allah khairan, Ustad, and uh, may Allah bless and accept the efforts, grant us sincerity, and make the words of Rasulullah sallam a means of light in our lives that guides us in our in our every day and every action. Amin, Ameen, Rabbal Alameen. Uh, some exciting stuff coming up with uh, At-Tanzil Institute with Mulna Salim Gaby and others, inshallah ta'ala. So do watch this space. Uh, but until then, uh, we love and, and leave you with salams. May Allah keep you all safe Ameen. and uh, healthy and strong. And